The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not be enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. There's an old, old story about a golden goose who was flying once over a small village and saw a family in dire poverty, a mother and two children, a widow, and two children in great need. The golden goose was flying over the village and looked down and felt compassion for that family. And so the golden goose said to himself, here's what I'll do. I'll fly down there and I'll pluck out one of my feathers, one of my golden feathers, and give it to this family and they can sell it and they can buy the food that they need. So that's just what the golden goose did. Dropped down and gave a feather and the family was grateful. They went to the town and bought all that they needed in order to fill their pantries for a while and they were okay. Everything was good. Well, a little while later, the golden goose came back and saw that they were once again in need. The money had run out. And so the golden goose flew down and gave another feather. Here, go ahead and buy what you need to fill your pantry. Take care of yourselves. And the goose flew away. Again and again this happened. There was this cycle of receiving a golden feather from this golden goose and selling it and filling the pantry and the family was living quite comfortably on account of this generosity. The golden goose was so generous. But one day the mother began to be concerned. A little bit greedy, a little bit doubtful, she thought to herself, what if one day that golden goose changes his mind? What if he doesn't come back when we're in need? What will we do then? And so she came up with a plan. This time when the golden goose flew down and landed in front of her house, she grabbed the golden goose and plucked out all of its feathers, not knowing that those were magical feathers. And when she plucked them out, they turned into ordinary goose feathers, dirty, soiled, and useless. She had ruined a good thing by trying to take ownership of it for herself. Her greed and her doubt and her selfishness had taken this generosity and turned it into something bitter, something worthless. The story's a tragedy, and there's a lesson in there about receiving good gifts with gratitude. 
not looking a gift horse in the mouth, not taking matters into our own hands. But there's also, there's also a little bit of truth in the mother's actions. After all, maybe she was right to doubt that that golden goose would come back. Why should she believe that that golden goose would return time after time? Had he given her any promises? Had he said that he would take care of her? This was just good luck as far as it seemed, and she thought that she needed to take matters into her own hands. It really makes sense. That's the way our flesh thinks. We need to take matters in our own hands. We have to take care of things ourselves. No one is really trustworthy. No one wants to rely on the generosity of others. What if they decide not to be generous anymore? What if they decide to change their mind? What if, what if you wake up one day in the wilderness and there's no manna out in front of your door lying on the ground? What will you do then? And so the Israelites thought like this woman did. They thought like we so often do. Maybe I need to store up some extra for myself. And they gathered twice as much or more than they should have on one day. And what happened to the extra manna that they took? Well, it bred worms and stank. God said, I'm going to give you manna from one day to the next. Take only what you need for one day, except for on that sixth day of the week. Take twice as much so you have enough for the Sabbath. God is very different from a golden goose. He'd given a promise. He swore by himself, by his own name, that he would take care of his people. But his people did the math the way that everyone in this world does the math. You look around and what you see is scarcity. Scarcity. There's not enough to go around, is there? In fact, this was a big concern over the course of the last century, that the population of the world is growing too large for the world to support all of us. There's not enough. There's not enough to go around. And so, in our sinful hearts, knowing that there's not enough to go around, there's not enough pieces in that pie for everyone to get one, I need to do what I need to do to make sure that I have my slice of the pie. When prices are low, buy, and when they're high, sell. Stock up, save. For rainy days, for famines, for dry months, stock up and make sure that your coffers are full, that your silos are full, that your barns are full. Stock up and make sure that you've got enough in your retirement account to last you till you're 120 years old. Stock up and save. Make sure that you get the best deal. Make sure that the math adds up. Make sure that you've looked at the numbers. Sometimes I think to myself about all the good that I could do if I had a million dollars. I had a million dollars. Just start making a list of all the marvelous things that you could do. You could give to everybody who is hungry. You could take care of people who don't have homes to live in. You could give it all away and make such a difference in the world. Think of all the good you could do if you had a million dollars. Nobody ever thinks, what about all the good I can do if I have five loaves and two fish? Nobody ever thinks that. But that is exactly what Jesus says. His math is different than ours. He says to his disciples today, if I give you just five loaves and two fish, think of all the good you can do. And if you do your math the way the world does its math, if you think like that poor widow or you think like the Israelites, or even if you think the way the disciples must have been thinking in that moment, you're saying to yourself, Jesus is out of his mind. I know how numbers work. There are 5,000 people sitting on that grass, five loaves and two fish, Maybe I better break, up, break off a little bit right now to make sure that I get my fair share. I'm hungry too, you see. Jesus does math in an entirely different way than we do. He looks at things and he doesn't see scarcity or lack. 
Instead, he sees the great abundance of his love, his generosity. One of the main lessons that we have to learn from John chapter 6 is that all of this is trivial for God. It's all trivial for God to take what is little and to make it large. Five loaves and two fish, enough to feed 5,000. The disciples are right. It would take a year's wages to buy enough bread for everyone. Jesus does it with so little, and it is no labor for him at all. He does so much with so little. We, hear, we heard in the book of Judges recently in Wednesday morning Bible study about Gideon. Gideon, who started out with an army of 30,000 soldiers to go up against an enemy of 135,000 soldiers. And God said, look, 30,000 soldiers, it's too many. So he sent home 20,000. Now they had 10,000. And God looked at their army and said, it's still too many. And so he sent home 9,700 of them. And with 300 soldiers, far too few. If you did the math, you'd say this is never going to work. Far too few, 300 soldiers, God defeated. An army of 135,000. It is trivial for God to do great things with very small things. That should be clear to us. After all, what are we? But very small things. And yet God has promised to do such marvelous things through us, through the love that he gives to us, through his blessings, through his promises. He's promised to make us into a kingdom, his own kingdom, into his people. He's promised to make us people who will live forever. We who are mortal and sinful, who are so little. What is man that you are mindful of him? God makes much of what is very small. In fact, you should know this, he makes much out of what is nothing at all. Go back to the creation of the world. There was nothing to begin with. God didn't look around for something to start with. Instead, he made everything that was. It is trivial. It is trivial for God to make something out of nothing. And that means that you should know, most of all, that God gives you what he wants you to have. There's a reason I don't have a million dollars. It's because God does not want me to have it. God gives you what he wants you to have. If he wants you to have a million dollars, he'll give it to you. If he wants you to have five loaves and two fishes, he'll give it to you. It's not that he can't give you more. It's not that he couldn't give you everything that you ever wanted. It's all trivial to him. And so you can be sure that whatever you have is what he has given you. And that is a marvelous thing. That is such great comfort. Because God is not a golden goose. He's not just a random passerby flying in the sky who happens occasionally to see whether we're in need or not. But he is our loving Heavenly Father who gives us exactly what we need. Jesus talks about this. He says, if you who are earthly fathers who are wicked know how to give food to your children when they're hungry, how much more will I, your perfect Heavenly Father, give you exactly what you need? So whatever you have, it is exactly what you need. It is what God wants you to have. Now here's the question. Another question that is answered by our gospel lesson. What does God want you to do with the things that you have? I imagine the disciples might have been tempted. If they were anything like the rest of us, they might have been tempted to stop and say, look, this is a pretty good thing we've got going here. He's taking five loaves and two fish and turning it into enough bread to feed 5,000. How about this? Let's start to stockpile this bread, and then people can come and they can pay for it, and then we'll have all kinds of money, and maybe we can buy some more bread. We can buy another set of five loaves and two fishes, and we can really turn this into a profitable enterprise. Yes, we'll do all kinds of good things with it. Of course, we'll feed all of these hungry people, but wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better 
if we had some security, if we had it stockpiled, if we had enough cash so that when Jesus decides he doesn't want to change five loaves and two fishes into enough to feed 5,000, we can do it ourselves. Wouldn't the cash guarantee it? I imagine the disciples were tempted to think that. And then they thought to themselves, I imagine things like, well, if I had that cash, of course I could feed all of those other people, but then, of course, my fishing boat is a little bit in disrepair, and needs a new sail, need new nets. Those nets broke the last time Jesus had me go fishing. Maybe I need a new anchor, maybe I need new oars, maybe I need new shoes, new clothes, maybe I need a new car. Maybe I could finally take that vacation I wanted to take. Maybe, finally, I could do all of the things that I wanted. Listen, Jesus, let's turn this into something better than you're doing. I've got an idea. Let's profit off of your wonders. The disciples could have thought that, but they did not act on that if they did. Thank God that they did not. Instead, Jesus gave them the bread and the fishes, and they went and distributed them to the people who were sitting there, and miracle of miracles, there was enough left over afterwards to fill 12 baskets. There was more left over than what they began with. That's how God does his math. There's more at the end than what you began with, more and more and more all the time. St. James tells us about our sinful hearts. He puts it this way. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. That is to say, Jesus has promised to give us everything we need, and so we should ask. But then he goes on. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, to spend it on your desires, on the things your heart craves. What does God want us to do with the five loaves and the two fishes that he gives us? He wants us to love our neighbor. Stinginess, Failure to be generous, stinginess is its own reward. So when you hold on to things, when you take those five loaves and those two fishes and you stow them up in your purse and you think, I'm going to take care of these things for myself, that's its own reward. What do you have as a result of that? You have five loaves and two fishes. That's what you've got. But Jesus wants to give us something much greater, something much grander. He wants to feed 5,000 and more on top of that with those five loaves and two fishes. If you hold on to the things God gives you and think, that he cannot provide more, that he will not provide more, then what you have is your reward. Things that moth and rust destroy and thieves can break in and steal, and you are missing out on the great blessings that God wants to give. God's promises are better than anything we could hope for ourselves, than anything we might think we could attain on our own. God's promises are better than a golden goose flying by, occasionally giving you a golden feather. God's promises are eternal. He's promised you the flesh and blood of Jesus. That's what we're here to receive today. Flesh and blood which never run out, like the oil jar and the pot of flour from that poor widow of Zarephath who never ran out. In fact, there's another story. Elisha visits a widow, and he says to her, you've got a little bit of oil left in your jar. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start pouring it out into other containers and go ask all your neighbors for their spare containers. Get all their Ziploc bags and all of their, all of their uh, plastic containers that they store all their food in. Start pouring it in, and when you have no more containers, then talk to me. And so she fills it all up, and she never runs out until she has enough to sell and to make herself a living. She never ran out. There was plenty. There's plenty. And the proof is Jesus' body and blood. There's plenty of life for you from your Savior. Plenty of life and more, enough for the whole world. Life from Jesus' flesh and blood. That's the promise of God for you. Now, there's a stark lesson here, and this cuts straight to my heart. I I hope it cuts to your hearts as well. If we cannot trust God 
for our daily bread. If we cannot trust God to supply our daily bread, how can we ever trust him for our salvation? And so he teaches us now to trust him for our daily bread so that at the end we will see that he has been faithful. We will see that he has kept his word and his promises and the most important promise of all, that he wants to give us eternal life. As often as you see need, as often as you see people sitting hungry on the grass, give them what you have. As often as you have an occasion to be generous, give. Give and do not ask for anything in return. Give because Jesus has given to you. Give because it is his that he wants you to be a good steward of. Give because you have seen what he can accomplish with five loaves and two fishes. You might say, I have too little. I don't have enough to spare. This might get wasted. Maybe they don't deserve it. You might say all of those things, but Jesus says something better. He says, check my math. If you had a million dollars, you would be willing to waste some in order to do some good. I was thinking about that this morning. Occasionally, I get phone calls from people asking for help in various circumstances, and I've been burned a lot of times. I've been burned a lot by people who've lied, who've not had genuine needs, people who are just scam artists. But occasionally, there's somebody who has a real need. And I always think to myself, if I had a million dollars, then I wouldn't have to worry about it. I'd just give it to everybody. But what do I have? I have something far better than a million dollars. I have the promises of God, who says that if I give generously, I will never run out. If I give the way God gives, I will never run out. What could be better than that? All that is left, all that is left is for us to trust in God. And this is what makes for cheerful giving. Imagine how joyous the disciples were that day as they distributed all of the the loaves and the fishes and everybody had enough not just for a bite, not just to quench their thirst or give them just a little bit of an edge, take the edge off of their hunger, but enough to be full and satisfied and more left over. So if you wanted seconds, you could have some. Imagine how joyous they were that they hadn't stopped and said to Jesus, look, Jesus, I've got a better idea. Instead, they just listened and said, whatever you give me, I'm going to distribute. Whatever you give me, I'm going to extend the same generosity to others. It's ridiculous. We should say that out loud. This is a ridiculous arrangement. The math does not add up. God's generosity is absurd. It's crazy, and you're going to seem crazy to the world if you trust in God. You're going to seem crazy to your own heart, but look, it's far better. He is far better than our hearts, than the world. He is far more generous, far more loving, far more good. He is perfect. And he has promised to take care of you and to do wonders through you. Think of what he can accomplish through such little people as us. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.